I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line uh, by the wonderful Adrian Lenker, who last year, late last year, released a late contender for one of the albums of the year in a Biss Kiss and is beginning her tour, which begins in the Union Chapel in London tonight. And she'll be visiting Dublin's Button Factory tomorrow night before heading on to other parts in Europe and then on uh, to the US as well. I, I, while looking at your tour schedule, Adrian, and looking at mm. your uh, your releases over the last like what three four years, I'm wondering have you had a break at all in the last three four mm-hmm. years? I'm starting to worry about you a little bit in that respect. Actually, I've just had a, a, the last two months that um, I just spent in out in Australia and I was on holiday. So yes, I've actually just had a significant little break and it, it was my longest break in, in, in about three years very good well well deserved it was too because as I say like the last three four years between your own album releases and those of Big Thief and then the tours that obviously accompany them as well it's got to be fine it's got to be really hard I'd imagine to, to find your own personal space and personal bit of downtime in amongst all of that yeah definitely it, it can be well it just begs the question for me then it's like where, where do you find time to do your writing because I know a lot of people when they're on the road and I've spoken to several artists before who say like there's no way they can write on a tour bus there's no way they can write in a dressing room backstage they need their own specific set of circumstances before they can actually get writing and get producing their own best work I mean how does it work for you are are you able to write on the road are you able to write in front of other band members is that a process that you find easy yeah well I'm just I'm really lucky because I feel very close with my bandmates and I have developed out of kind of out of necessity, I think, the ability to write around them. Um, actually, I think I even thrive on the road with writing. Recently, I've been realizing that, you know, I, I had all this downtime <laughs> the last two months, mm. and I barely wrote anything. And I think, but 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 I've written a lot in the last couple of years, and usually it's on the road with little stolen moments of time here in between things and like in green rooms and in hotels and like in the van and just like on a random sidewalk or whatever I mean I don't know there's something about that when I really need it it's like I really need it because writing to me is is like a form of like medicine and I think I think that's why I write on the road is because that is my way of getting getting time to connect with my source like the deepest part of myself. Mm. So that's that's why, yeah, I think that's why I write on the road, actually. And I'd imagine it's when that source is probably at its rawest. I mean, it, when you're talking about your downtime that you just had there over Christmas in Australia, the last thing it seems that you'd be up for doing or able for doing is setting aside two hours in the afternoon, I'm going to go out to the shed with a notebook and I'm going to sit down and write. That doesn't, doesn't seem to be the way that you operate at all. And it, and the, I guess the songs kind of bear that out a little bit too, especially hmm. lyrically. Cool, yeah. That, that resonates with me, yeah. yeah. It's definitely what? not a, not a very formulaic process. It's just something that has to happen natural, naturally. It has to be kind of, kind of calling to me, I guess. Yeah. But, what was the yeah. the genesis of Abyss Kiss? Because like finding the start and the endpoints of certain things can be, you know, a little bit blurry, especially when you're an artist. What was mm-hmm. the the very germ of this album for you? Gee, all the songs came at such different times, but mm. you know, in honesty, I don't know. The song Ten Miles" is the is the one that I it's the oldest one of that collection. And I had it lingering around for a long time, 
And there were a few other ones that I couldn't really place in any of the Big Thief records. Mm. That, like, <clears throat> I just wanted them to be documented somehow. I didn't want to lose them. So, I don't know, when I had enough songs, kind of, when I had, it's just, they were kind of my stray songs. I just I just had the urge to archive them. And, yeah, 10 Miles in Terminal Paradise, kind of the bookends of the record. I was, I was just going to say, I'm surprised to hear that 10 Miles was the first of the, the 10 songs that was knocking around, because when you look at the arc of the album, uh, Terminal Paradise begins with like a tale of birth and then 10 miles has lots of talk about death so you would think that the natural progress of the album is from birth to death and that terminal paradise being the first those songs would have come first but it turns out it's been the other way around (laughs) it's cool you noticed that yeah well terminal paradise yeah comes first and is i guess both about birth and death Hmm. but so is 10 miles in a way because i reckon they're kind of the same thing it seems to be when i'm when you mentioned that them being the same thing, like a lot of the thematic elements of the album seem to be, I guess, exploring the edges of things, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense to you. Like you mentioned that life and death, basically it's it's one, you know, two different sides of the same coin almost. And you could be, especially in a, in a relationship as well, you could be madly in love one minute and then the next thing, something will happen and suddenly that relationship isn't there anymore. I mean, and it seems yeah. to be that those little elements of finding out where the uh, boundaries of certain things are has been a key element of this album. Yeah, it's the fleetingness of everything and the mystery and the, yeah, I suppose you could say the edges or... The, looking out into the abyss, <laughs> looking out into the beyond, mm. and like making friends with the mystery, like accepting it, accepting the, the unknown, the changing nature of everything, how it's the impermanence of everything, and how interwoven into our nature is is yeah is is this impermanence, and we fight so hard against it, and like there's so much in our culture that teaches us to fear it and to find like stability in certain ways but then only only to realize that it's a bit it can be a bit of an illusion that there would be like i don't know like even just the way that we sort of kind of grow up at least in america there's a lot of emphasis on the future Mm. all the time like planning for the future so you go to elementary school to prepare you for middle school and middle school prepares you for high school which prepares you for college which prepares you for work and then you're supposed to have a career and then you save up for retirement so that someday you have enough money so that you can you know like and there's just like so much emphasis on these future things and on this sort of stability that is but there's no really no conversation about death there's no real conversation about death when you're growing up it's not like and people feel it all around all the time, but there is there's the, like this I guess there's this fear, and i I find it to be paralyzing in certain moments because because there hasn't been sort of much looking into like just the real nature of things, so I don't know, I think as I'm seeing into things more deeply as I get older and as I'm expanding. I'm also just accepting more. And I think like, yeah, the, the kissing the abyss is like sort of blessing the the unknown and choosing to walk into it, walk out into the unknown and 
a lot of artists, I guess, can find that big, massive expanse of the otherness or the abyss, as you kind of describe it as being kind of a, a daunting thing to kind of tackle. It seems that you, I, I guess, took on that um, that challenge, I guess, with a bit of relish to kind of explore all of, all, all of those feelings and all, all, all that comes along with it. I, I've been I've been interested in talking about it, looking at it since I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, just I've always had a bit of a desperation for a connection with something that feels like it's beyond. Where and, do you think that came from? I don't know. I just remember developing this relationship with something, something that I could never describe to anyone when I was a kid. And I remember this moment when I was like maybe eight years old. And I was rollerblading in circles around my garage. We had a garage. And I was rollerblading in circles. And and I remember this certain point and just like there was a thunderstorm that was rolling in in the Midwest. We got these huge thunderstorms where the whole sky would turn green. And <clears throat> you would see all these giant clouds and start to swirl. And, and there was there were a lot of tornadoes out there and like, you know, there was just these great big storms, warm summer storms, and mm. one of them started rolling in. And I remember just stopping, like, stop, stopping and looking out at the sky and just actually falling, like, dropping to my knees and just speaking to, I didn't even know what, you know, it was just like, I just remember just coming into consciousness suddenly and, like, awareness that I was, even just as a little kid, that, whoa, and I saw myself from above my, from outside of myself. And I just thought, whoa, like, I can, I can see that I'm like this creature that is stuck in this physical form, yet I'm made of something else. And I have to, I have to have like contact or like communion with this something else, with this thing that's so huge. And I developed this relationship with this, like, I don't know, this great spirit, the great spirit, or, like, I don't know, like, the, there, there's so many names, but I, I don't even really feel comfortable calling it by a name because it's just something that I've been seeking for. It's really intangible. Mm. It's really, it's really impossible to describe. It's not like I see a certain image or anything. It's just, it's just, like, believing, you know, like, in something, like, <clears throat> in the magic, did you have kind of a religious upbringing at all, or? Uh, in my early early part of my life, my parents were practicing religion, but they were practicing Christianity. But then they moved away from that mm. um, when I was very young, probably before that time. But I remember never really adopting any specific religion or belief that anyone around me had. I just sort of always, I just kind of always have observed them and observed the language that everyone was using and observed people like sorting through it and making sense of it all and realized that like no one actually knows <laughs> the answers and it's a beautiful thing to be in constant constant seeking and questioning and maybe that's all I mean there are things that it's just so interesting because we're all one organism and we're all perhaps there's a collective consciousness but at the same time there's it's impossible to feel from inside of anybody else's body or consciousness. And so it can be very lonely just to be alive and realize that no matter what, you can't really be, no one can ever like touch the most, the deepest, most tender 
piece of you. Like no one could ever like see exactly what that looks like. You can get really close to someone. You can get so close, but you can't actually merge like mm. in body and spirit. And then, what would that feel like? And maybe that's what death feels like, but I don't know. It's There's just, hmm. It's a big it's thing to comprehend. Just, it's a huge thing. There's And everything is always wounding yeah. and always, always healing and always being born and always dying simultaneously. And it's so bitter and it's so sweet. There's like, it's just all, it's all part of the same thing. And it's such a heart breaking thing just to be alive. But I mean, breaking in the sense that like you, you just get all these little cracks and breaks and tears and scars inevitably as you grow but it also allows for expansion like maybe it's breaking because of expansion like a constant heart heartache just to be if you have any kind of consciousness in the world and presence and awareness you're also conscious of the the hurt and the wounds but you're also feeling like this huge amount of like love and magic that's pouring all the time so it's just being in that space and being comfortable being in that space. I'd rather live there and feel all the pain than live kind of in a state of numbness or, you know. Yeah. Does it make it easier to kind of explore that then in in, in front of an audience that I guess uh, is receptive to to that exploration, I guess, is probably the best way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been really blessed that the audience that has been drawn to the music are people who are pretty game for... <laughs> an exploration yeah. and for the unknown and it's pretty cool how does the the live experience for you differ because obviously they are going to be very two two very different things both in terms of getting the, the actual show on the road and then the performance of it to being out there with big thief and now say tomorrow night in the button factory being there pretty much all on your own mm, yeah that's definitely just a bit more vulnerable i'd say yeah um pretty naked and but it, but but it's also, yeah, it's just a totally different thing because instead of reacting to these other humans that are on the stage mm. and listening to them and reacting to that, I'm just simultaneously like, I guess I'm just like producing the sound, the only sound that I'm I'm the only one producing sound, so I guess I'm not really listening to myself in the same sense. But in other ways too, though I have to—it's a—it's a collaboration when it's with the band. So I, so, so I'm, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm working with them, and and I'm not the only one leading and pulling things and coloring things. Everyone is together. So I am, in a way, like at moment in moments, um, not limited, but, but yeah, it's it's just I'm in I'm in a conversation. It's not just all about me or not. It's and then with the solo stuff, I feel like it's unlimited in that I can like stretch time and I can, I can stretch out and like play whatever I want to play. And it's not, but it is still a conversation and it is, you know what, this is fascinating. I don't I actually don't think it has a very obvious answer. At first I thought it did, but I don't think it, I'm not sure which one is more liberating or if there is mm. one that feels freer. Again, it's probably the search that's gone to a, uh... I guess be the most invigorating thing about it and, and whether or not there is a discovery of which one is uh, preferable or which one you enjoy more, more or not is, is, is going to be the best part of it. Adrian, 
I've taken up far too much of your time already ahead of your first gig of your, your solo tour tonight in London and again tomorrow night in the Button Factory here in Dublin. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. I could spend all night on the phone with you discussing these things. Uh, but uh, t- time intercedes. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for the questions. Take care.